Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Beyond Aesthetics podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Tiffany. And my name is Jess. <laughs> We're so happy you're here. <laughs> Today's episode is our part two to social media influences. We, when this comes out, part one, well, our part one's already out, isn't part it? One's yeah. Out. Yeah, part, part one's out, yeah, part one's out. So this is a follow-up to that part one. So before we do get into this episode, if you have not listened to part one, you'll want to definitely download and listen to Social Media Influences part one because it has a lot of free, pre-information that we aren't going to cover as in-depth today. It got heated. It got heated. <laughs> when I listened to it back, I was like, woo. <laughs> it such such good information though mm-hmm. right yeah, I think so yeah it's just something I'm so passionate about and you can hear that in the episode because I just keep like taking it away and and going off and but it is something I feel so strongly about and I know that a lot of people really struggle with it so yeah yeah definitely tune into part one <laughs> Oh, we're happy you're here for part two. So happy. Yeah, we're really excited. <laughs> okay, we kind of have a long list of things to go over today. We do. For our social media influences. So just some background. Social media influences really is for our estheticians, beauty professionals, and what you may come across on social media whether it's through influencers or through famous TikTokers or what you're seeing and how you can navigate that information that you're seeing and in turn decipher if it is good information or not and how you can kindly and gracefully educate your clients on this information. That was beautifully said. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so with that being said, we want to remind you that, and we covered this in depth in part one, but we want to remind you as a trusted advisor, as a skincare professional, you have a powerful tool in your hands. It's right on your phone that you're consuming every single day through Instagram, through TikTok, through Facebook, through, through social media as a whole. And when we view social media as a tool that works for us, not against us, it is so powerful and we can use it to our, to our advances. And, um, it's really just deciphering the information, trusting our gut and our intuition as a trusted advisor, as a licensed professional, and then approaching our clientele with an open heart space so much love, so much grace, and from an educational standpoint. Just a reminder, you know, we don't want to poke fun at our clients. We don't want to make them feel dumb or stupid for doing things or that maybe isn't the best. We can always put a positive spin on it. So that's just a quick reminder on that. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add, Jess? Yeah, it, it's it's really just all about positioning yourself to always be the one that they can come to and ask you anything and tell you anything and know that you're not going to judge them. And you know, that they, that you are just their confidant 
you know, you are their trusted advisor. And so I think that that should be every esthetician's number one goal is to have relationships that are so freaking solid that as soon as, you know, a client were to see something on social media, you know, or whatever, like it doesn't matter that they would come to you first and say, what is this all about? You know what I mean? Or, or to tell you that they've tried it or, or whatever that looks like. But you, I think that that should be the main goal is that you really position yourself that way. Yeah. And for them to feel safe in coming to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all, it's really all about just building a trusting relationship with your clients mm-hmm. in person, online, in all aspects. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely beautiful. So important, especially these days because social media is just a part of it and it's not going away. And that is why we're so passionate about it and why we got so heated on that last episode is because it's it's growing and it's growing. It's not going away. And so we really need to flip it on its head and take a, take a very positive, productive approach and make it like Tiffany said, work for us. It it really isn't working against us. It really isn't. And people get so frustrated. And I'm like, no, no, no. Social media is doing us a huge favor, as we'll see when we go through this list. It is actually doing us a massive favor. You just have to flip the the narrative and like Tiffany said, come from a place of education when we're having these conversations about these interesting topics. So interesting. I think we should let's start with beef tallow since you were just talking about that. Let's let's do. And you know, one thing that you mentioned in the last episode that's going to be really important for this episode too is that a lot of these things are drama. Yes. (laughs) You know, so like there's always kind of this underlying reason that's actually really valid. It's just being like said or marketed in such a dramatic way that makes it sound insane when a lot of it isn't really insane necessarily. It just is like, you know, mar- marketing. It's like, that sounds crazy. But then you break it apart and you're like, oh, actually. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. I get it. Which is actually where I, what I discovered in the beat tell when I did my <laughs> research. Like, okay, I can see. But Jess is right. A lot of it is like, if you want to call it clickbait or um, attention grabbers or something to stop the scroll, they're going to, a lot of these influencers are throwing out information to grab your attention, stop the scroll, and then view their, their content. I get that. Mm -hmm. And because in a, in a world of millions and millions and millions of influencers, you got to stand out. So Mm -hmm. they're doing it's just getting to the bottom of it and finding out the core reason of why they're saying what they're saying or preaching what they're preaching and um, using your own education. Yeah. As a li- as licensed professionals, I think we like don't give ourselves the credit that we have a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of estheticians do. If you yeah. go to school, you are a licensed by your state professional to practice skincare. Oh, no. mm-hmm. Use your education. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Beef tallow. You guys heard of beef tallow for skincare. It has on TikTok 14 million views. What? What the freak? 14. It, I mean, that's insane. Huge. TikTok famous beef tallow 
Wow. So, That's crazy because this is like the that was the first time that I'm seeing it. Yeah. That's I know. Crazy. The other day when I was researching all these topics was the first time that it came up for me. And I really didn't know what it was, what it was even in general. I had to look or Google what beef tail oh, yeah. is. Yeah. So for those that don't know, it's I wrote it down. It's rendered down beef fat. And it is commonly used to make soup and candles. So basically it's this waxy substance that's had all of its solids and moisture removed. Um, it's been around for a really long time. People have been using it. Mm. Actually, people in general have been using plant and animal fats for centuries. So it's really not a new concept. I think putting it on your skin in a famous way is a new yeah. concept. Mm -hmm. It's, but I, Jess, you probably already know, do you want to share why it's being touted as a skincare superstar? Yeah. So it is high in triglycerides and fatty acids, uh, which is really important. It actually does have a lot of antioxidant um, properties. It has omega-3 fatty acids. So really, you know, great. Um, it actually has anti-inflammatory and micro... Uh, antimicrobial benefits. And so here's the deal. Uh, so does shea butter, like a lot of things do. So, you know, it's interesting because yeah, when, when you wrote that down, I was like, what on earth? <laughs> like what on earth is this? But when I started reading about it, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of want to try it. You know, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I totally get that. You guys, this is actually just along the lines of slugging. In my opinion, this is just the same thing. It's like a different, you know, way that you would do that. It's going to be a little bit more of a product that like seals the deal, right? So it's not, it, it's not like a serum or anything like that. Usually the products that you're finding that are beef tallow based are, Oh, like balms almost. I mean, it's it's like shea butter, right? And at the end of the day, like that is exactly the same thing. And so the thing about it in skincare is that it's like we were talking last time when we were mentioning slugging in the last episode. I'm like, not everybody can get away with using Vaseline on their face, right? Like not everybody can get away with using things that are that waxy. Like not everybody can get away with using shea butter too. Now, there's a lot of variables there based on how something is derived and manufactured and made and, you know, how clean it is. And that is something that I was researching about it, too, is that, like, that's – I uh, having that be something really popular is pretty questionable, you know, as far as the products. Like, if you're interested in trying it, you're going to want to do a lot of research um, because you could definitely see some, some comedones. You could definitely see some clogged pores or – there's no way that I could put that on my face face. Like I'm still kind of breakout prone and I get clogged so easily. So it's, you know, I was like, yes, I get it. And it, I'd like love to try it maybe on, on my body. As far as like putting it on the face, I really don't think that for a lot of people that's going to be a good idea, but I do think that for some people, maybe it is. Now, if you are like vegan, then that's definitely not it. Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> not going to want to go that direction. So that was my thoughts about it. What are your thoughts? Same. I think if somebody wanted to try it, definitely you could try it on your body. Um, it could be a great moisturizer or something to hold in that hydration. Same though, I don't think for the typical skin type, it's going to be effective. 
also that we talked about last time on part one is delivery system yeah in food-based products mm-hmm. and so if i had to guess beef tallow isn't going to have an effective delivery system to deliver its benefits into the layers of the skin versus where an actual shea butter based skincare product does have that so that's something to consider as well also i would be concerned with the smell personally like it just maybe it doesn't have a smell i don't know because i haven't tried it so that would be something that i it doesn't sound appealing to put on my skin you know i thought the same thing i I was like it's just like it's just weird now i will say and i am going to shout out a company that i found um that i feel like if i were to purchase it um like there's a body butter that i'm looking at right now and a balm uh, this company is called Primally Pure, P-R-I-M-A-L-L-Y Pure.com. And, you know, when I was looking through the different companies that were offering something like this, I was like, yeah, you know what? If I were to try it, I actually feel like I would probably go with that company. I felt like it was pretty clean. It looks really nice. And so, yeah, I... I would, I would go with that. You know what? Hold on. I just read something really weird. I just have screenshots, you guys. <laughs> you can tell that I'm reading something. This is a paragraph that said, some TikTokers have claimed beef tallow is equivalent to retinol, an anti-aging substance derived from vitamin A. Um, but this dermatologist said the two are not the same. You guys, like, freak now. Absolutely not. That There's not even a remote no. Absolutely not. This is definitely more along the lines of, like, slugging and, and probably snail mucin. Is that how you say it? Or do you say mucin? I would see followed by E-I or Y will say you know, I, for anyone who's not in Idaho, you guys, I always joke that like I'm from Idaho. So as long as I just sound confident when I say it, then it's right. (laughs) In my presentations, people are like, is that how you say it? I'm like, probably not, but you, you wouldn't have questioned me because I sound so confident. You know what I mean? That they're like, oh, I've been saying it wrong. And I'm like, actually, I think you're saying it right. I, I'm saying it wrong, but I sounded so confident that you questioned yourself. So we'll say mucin though. That sounds, you know, but I honestly think it is along the same thought process. And I think slugging is along this. That's the same thought process here. Yeah. Because there's no active ingredients in beef tallow or snail mucin. And so it's not comparable to your retinol or your other active ingredients. Not even close. But yeah, it could be a wonderful, could um, be a wonderful option for slugging. Absolutely. And, and if, I mean, to be honest, would I recommend beef tallow over Vaseline all day long? Yeah. I would much rather have you put some beef tallow on your face that was like mindfully manufactured yeah, than Vaseline. Like, yes, ab- actually, I think that's a great idea. Now, the other thing is that it's important for you to look through. So, you know, when we're talking about things like this, like snail mucin, beef tallow, look at your own skincare line that you're carrying and try to match an alternative to that, right? And so that's the other point of like figuring out what this underlying thing is that's happening so that as you educate your clients, you also have options for them too to say, you know, and and that's the other thing as we go through this, these ones like beef tallow, snail mucin, um, skin slugging is 
this is about your skin barrier. This is about sealing the deal, you know, pack in some hydrating serums and then seal the deal with something nice and thick. And it's great for rebalancing your skin barrier, locking in your hydration, especially during the winter months, or if you've become really unbalanced for any reason. And so that would be the educational portion of this with your clients. And then you just want to find a product that you retail to match that and educate them on why your option is going to be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I can guarantee if you have a skincare line that you carry and use, you're going to have a comparable option that's probably going to be a little bit more beneficial or not as poor clogging Mm -hmm. uh, for your clients. Yeah. So definitely always go back to what you have and how you can educate your clients on why your skincare product is going to be more beneficial, less damaging, whatever that may be. Yep. Yeah, And it's a good example of social media doing us a favor because they're, you know, out there educating people on, you know, using thick moisturizer to to seal the deal and and help to repair the barrier and, and rebalance the skin. And so these types of trends are really doing us favors. And we need to look at it that way because like now half of our job is done. More than probably half. I know because it's like, really easy to convert your customers. Because they want to buy from you if they're already your customer. They're probably already buying from you. And you guys, Beef Tallow has educated 14 million people on yep. TikTok. You know, a healthy lipid barrier yep. and preventing tool transepidermal water mm, loss. Exactly. So you just fill, basically fill in the blanks for them. Yeah. And yeah. Thank yeah. you, social media. If we have eminence listeners here, if we have eminence users, um, that would be our Camellia Glow solid face oil. That is actually exactly why we created that face oil was for these reasons. And so that would be a good alternative. Or um, any of our like Linden Calendula treatment would be good, Minoy face and neck cream, um, or even the coconut moisturizer actually would be a pretty dang close match to you know, kind of more the ingredient kind of base concept of beef tallow, but we do have a lot of different options that would be good recommendations. And I'm sorry, I can't speak to a lot of other skincare lines because basically my entire life is immersed in eminence. (laughs) If I know of any, I'll let you know, but just, uh, I think a lot of our followers, probably at least 80% of them are, are spa partners. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Okay, let's see what else is on our list. We covered slugging last time, part one. Mm-hmm. Did we do skincare smoothie? Mm. <clears throat> let's just, well, yeah, let's talk about skincare care smoothies. Um, we, we may have touched on it, but let's, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's go over that one again. I'm seeing, I'm seeing that everywhere all of a sudden. So and I really think it's because the, the Dallas esthetician touched on it. Okay. And so now everybody is like freaking out about why they're not okay because she doesn't she doesn't like skincare smoothies. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. So she was the first one to come out and say this is cray cray. Well, that's where I saw first, but now I'm okay. seeing it everywhere. That it's not a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So for well, anyone I'm also seeing it trending, I think, on TikTok. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, Tiffany did have to explain this one to me. So will you just re will you explain it? 
Yeah. So a skincare smoothie is where you are essentially making a smoothie out of all of your products and then applying it once. So you would do your essence or say toner, add your serum, add your moisturizer, mix it all up into a smoothie and then apply. And for, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say for all of our skincare professionals and estheticians here, you know why that is not effective because all skincare products have their own delivery system. And there's, I mean, always apply thinnest to thickest and um, you're essentially just mixing it all up and it's not going to penetrate. It's not going to provide any benefits when you're just slapping a smoothie on your face. Yeah, I think the only time that I would ever say, let's try it this way, is for somebody who, because if you guys don't know this about me already, I think one of the most um, important ways that we build client relationships, which we'll talk about in another episode, is to really meet people where they are. So if we are working with somebody who, for whatever reason, you know, just needs to be really quick in and out and uh, make things easier, then that's one thing. And I do, I wouldn't mix more than a few, you know, three or four things at a time. But, you know, I've been known to do this. Like, let's say I mix a moisturizer with the vitamin C powder with an oil. And, but I don't think that's a full smoothie by any means. And I probably have a serum on already, like underneath of it. So, the only time that I would say that that could be handy is just for that type of a person who wants to make things a little bit quicker and easier for any reason, even if it's just temporary, like, you know, they're traveling, right? And they're just like wanting, wanting. So I, I, is it the worst thing in the world? Absolutely not. And this is really a situation of like good, better, best. You know, like it's not a horrible thing to do by any means, but I don't think that you're going to get the absolute best benefit out of all of your products that you're investing in or that your clients are investing in. And and that's really what it should come down to is just educating them on, like Tiffany said, the delivery systems and molecular weights. We want to do thinnest to thickest. We get the best activation and absorption from each as much as we possibly can. We're going to get the best benefits that way. Now, if you're really tired that day and you just want to mix it all up and throw it all on, that is better than doing nothing. <laughs> so so there's just different levels to, to this one too. Um, but yeah, no, that is really, really interesting. Skincare smoothies. When I first read that, you know what I, what came to mind? Mixing up, Mixing up. strawberries and yeah. blueberries and oatmeal and making a mask out of it. That's actually what I thought it was about too. And I had yeah. to <laughs> That's what I was research. like surprised when you told me what it really was. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, so you know what? It's not the worst thing in the world. It's there's just a good, better, best scenario here. Yeah. And like Jess said, uh, we want our clients to be doing something. And if it's overwhelming for them to do six steps instead of break it down into three or four, then let them mix it, let them put it on their skin and you know, reevaluate when they're down the road and have that routine. And then maybe we can educate them on getting them to separate those steps or however that may be. But if they're, if they're overwhelmed by it, they're not going to do it. Yeah. And rather than putting their skincare on. Yeah. At all. Absolutely. I love it. I love that one. Let's just start at the top so that my ADD brain can like really keep track of this. Did we talk about, 
We did talk about using a washcloth last time because we were talking about the disposable towels. Um, But let's talk about not washing your face in the shower because this is one we briefly touched on last time. And I just really want to break this down to how important it is to um, that to me. This is not a good, better, best situation. To me, this needs to be taken off the table because it's too confusing. What Tiffany and I are assuming they're <clears throat> talking about is scalding hot water, right? I don't think it really has anything to do with washing your face in the shower. I think it's more about the temperature of water. It's like we're just, I don't know what, assuming that everybody takes hell showers. I'm like, what are you? I don't understand. I actually don't love hot showers. Um, and I wash my face in the shower every day because I just don't know why you wouldn't do that, right? The only other thing that came to mind, and I might have mentioned this to you later is um are they talking about purified water or like um, hard and soft water or like it's possible yeah, yeah so it could be that too. shower head yeah so what do you think about that if that's the case do you know i am curious about it only because my childhood home where we grew up we had the hardest water mm-hmm. like our shower walls were stained orange we had such <sighs> iron based water. And so I am curious about it. I don't have hard water now and I don't have really soft water. Like we actually have really good water. So I don't feel like I personally need that to have a filtered shower head for some though, especially, um, if you're like on well water, even city water, I don't know, you know, treated water. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about it. Yeah. It's not something that I feel like I need to integrate into my own life because uh-huh. I, I just know how hard water, what it can do to your hair. Like, you yeah. know, we all had blonde hair growing up and it was all kind of tinged orange. Yeah. And we didn't drink our water. We bought our water from the store because it was, mm. it was just not drinkable. So that is something that can contribute to um, maybe some skin issues, skin and hair issues. Yeah. So that could be part of it too. I do agree with you though, that probably what they're saying is to not, when they say don't wash your face in the shower, what they're actually saying is don't wash your face with scalding hot water. Yeah. Especially if you have dry skin. Yeah. Um, it probably does have something to do with filtered water too, because have you seen, um, I, you know, I see advertisements for filtered shower heads. I totally want one. Yeah. They, I mean, they look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be curious to see if it would make a difference in my skin and hair health or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also then my mind goes to how often would you, you have to like change the filter. Yeah. And would I keep up on that? Would I, I do it? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. So yeah, I think there's a couple things to take into consideration, but as far as like filtered water and not filtered water. I think that's another good, better, best situation depending on the skin type. If you're super compromised and sensitive or um, you have super dry skin, then yeah, maybe that would be something to consider. Um, But if you don't and if your skin is, you know, fine, then again, it's like probably taking an extra step that could be worth it, but it's just wash your face. Yeah, actually just wash your face. I feel like that's more of an issue not an issue, but that's something that we navigate more of, of our clients just not washing their face. And so I think more than anything, you can spend your time and energy on that education, on why washing their face, whether it's cold water, hot water, whatever, just wash your face. 
Get your makeup off, please. Get your makeup off, girl. Do it. Yep. <laughs> and especially if you're going to bed with makeup on, you definitely want to be washing your face in the shower the next morning. So yeah, let's exactly. encourage that. I, exactly. That's why I was like, yeah, that's just kind of one of those where it is, it's, it's too confusing and it's something that you kind of like the wash class, you would really only bring that up if we're a little bit more advanced with somebody or if there really is something going on the skin that, on that we're like, okay, we need to kind of play detective here and let's look at some other variables that could potentially be happening. But I don't think it is like the most forthcoming, like you need to make a big deal about this with your clients because I, I just don't think so. I think it's a very, very confusing <laughs> Personally, yeah. you know, depending on who you're talking to, um, if if Tiffany and I are a little bit confused by it, and we're like, oh yeah, you know, you know, maybe, but I don't know, then you know what, your clients are gonna feel <laughs> a little bit confused about that. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Just go back. Just keep it at the basics for your clients, and then build from there. Absolutely. That's my advice. Yes, definitely. Hey, we covered slugging. Yeah. In the last episode. Yeah. Um, skincare tools. Mm-hmm. This would be anything from cleansing brushes. We did touch on this in the last episode too. Do you feel like we need to go into it more? So um, we touched on it because we're re-recording this episode. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we need to touch on it. We yeah, are re-recording this episode. Okay, good we both won't be hearing yeah. that one. We had sound issues again. Yeah, it, sound issues. It's okay. Just keep following. We'll get back to it. Skincare tools, cleansing brushes, pore vacuums, extractor tools, yep. um, tinkle razors. What am I missing? I know I'm mm. missing one important one. I don't know. Oh, yeah, rollers. Oh, yeah, like the yeah. rollers, the needle yeah. rollers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your thought? I feel like those have, I mean, those have trended in the last couple years, maybe longer. And, you know, the Clarisonic cleansing brushes, those really came out on the scene probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were really popular. I had one. Yeah, I think there is some space for them, um, especially if your clients are using them. But again, we want to approach this with kindness and a lot of grace. And just education in a kind, loving way, because yeah. more than likely your clients are have or are using some sort of tool in their home care routine, and um, yeah, we can maybe just you know gentle parenting them on yeah. the why there it could be causing some issues in their skin and how we can redirect them if needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now cleansing brushes. I'm a big fan of cleansing brushes and that's, you know, a little bit controversial, but what I will say is that when, so Clarisonic is no longer around as far as I know, but when they were, and when they first came out, I was on the forefront of them. I wanted to work for them. Like I loved it so much. And what I recommended to people is the longer bristles, the better because the softer the brush. And so I noticed for myself that was one of the best, that was like the best my skin 
skin had ever been. And I was using it every single day, but I was using the softest ones possible, like not even sensitive. There was there was actually a delicate, it was baby blue. And then they even came out with an anti-aging one that was super long bristles. And so I would use it and then I would immediately do some soap and water and let it dry out and just, you know, make sure that it was good. And my skin responded so good to that. I think where we started running into the biggest issues with cleansing brushes is when you know, even Clarisonic was making like acne brushes and oily skin and men's brushes and the bristles were so short, it was just too much. And so that's kind of the thing is I like cleansing brushes, but I think it it really makes a difference, the bristle length, how soft the bristle is, and then keeping it clean. And that is kind of the same thing for everything. Now, dermal rollers, that's an issue because of bacteria. And that's kind of the conversation and education point that you would want to have with your clients is like, honestly, it's, it's, I think that's crazy for people to use at home, um, that, that don't have any education behind like what's happening or how often to do it or how to care for the skin properly after, but also the sanitation aspect and the bacteria and what that would do to your skin. Tinkle razors. I feel bad that that estheticians make people feel so bad for doing it. Like I use them sometimes in a pinch, you know, if I need to, I definitely know how, you know, dermaplane is so much better, but if I can't get into an esthetician and I'm like going on a a trip and I want to make sure my skin's looking good, then I'm going to grab a clean one. I use a clean one every time you could, you know, you could clean it or whatever. And I hurry and do it and just make sure that I'm really exfoliated and take care of my skin good. So That's one of those things that I feel like estheticians should be a little bit more gentle about as far as, you know, just having more education and more love behind it because you're not, you're not getting away from it. People are going to buy them. People are going to use them. And so you just want to make sure that you're having a really positive conversation about it. And it's another like good, better, best. Dermaplane really is ideal. It is definitely optimal. But in a pinch, is it nice to take a tinkle razor and clean up your brows and your upper lip? Like, yes, it it is, you know, and I like I'm really fuzzy right in here and it's really noticeable. And sometimes I'll just, you know, hurry and do it and then wash my face real good and take care of it. So it's it's an educational thing. Poor vacuums, I think, are a no. Someone brought this up to me, I want to say yesterday, and I was like, yeah, no, that's, I don't know, because there's a sucking action. So I I don't like that on the skin. Um, sometimes in the treatment room, I don't even like it. So for a client, I think it's a no. Clients using extractors is an absolutely not for me, like absolutely not, because even as an esthetician, I think you need to have optimal training and be so good at extractions when you're taking, you know, little like... what are the, oh, lancets and like extractors and stuff like that. Even estheticians are are chancing scarring the skin and and should not be in clients' hands whatsoever. So I think it depends on the tool. It comes down to that education, the cleanliness, and and like Tiffany said, being extra, extra gentle because these things are so widely available. And again, I think that the tools – are kind of the biggest deal. I think we can do the most damage with tools. And that's why we want to make sure that our relationships are so solid and so safe that before they even like considered it, or if they did do it, they would let you know so that you could make sure that everything was good. Yeah. That's, that's the key is 
helping them feel safe to come to you, whether they want to do it or they especially did do it. And I think, like you said, it does make me sad too, because there's so much shame around, especially mm-hmm. tinkle razors. I mm-hmm. think. And it's, I think estheticians have shamed women into feeling bad about using them because of peach fuzz and facial hair. Mm-hmm. Now, this is such a great opportunity as an esthetician to say, like, if you need to use your tinkle razor at home, go for it to get rid of that peach fuzz come see me for your dermaplane because we're going to get a really deep exfoliation and we're going to remove that top layer of dead skin. And it's going to be so great when we incorporate that into your facial, that peel is going to, you know, be so much more beneficial. There's such opportunity there. Remember to your words can feel very shaming for women, Mm -hmm. even if you say them in a nice way, just remember that. And uh, you know, I think the majority of women suffer from some sort of facial hair and it's, it sucks and it's embarrassing and they're coming to you, their trusted advisor for an option. And they're not going to be able to come see you, you know, some of them every month or every couple months. So what can they do? You can give them your blessing in, in a sense and say, if you need to use that, go for it. We'll see you at your next dermoplane appointment for that deep exfoliation or however that may be. Yeah. And get a quick dermaplane option on the menu, you know, just like a quick, let's cleanse, let's do a quick dermaplane, like, you know, make that a part of your menu so that, you know, if you, if you did need to slip that in for someone really easy, you know, versus using a tinkle razor, like, you know, don't shame people for doing it if they don't have the option to, you know, like hurry and get into you to get that taken care of either. So there's things to consider there for sure. Yeah. Or put extractions on your menu. We have on our menu yeah. extractions a la carte. They just come in and we can extract and it's an affordable price and they don't have to do the full facial. They don't have to do even the full dermaplane. And it's, it's actually a really popular service, especially for women who get milia, men or women will do um, extractions for milia. And so, yeah, we would much rather have them come in, book a 20, 25 minute appointment and do their extractions for them in a safe way than them trying to tackle it at home. Because I promise you, if they've got a big milia on their face, they're going to pick at it. Mm-hmm. So we created this option for them that's affordable and quick. And yeah, I highly Brilliant. recommend it. Yeah. Brilliant. Because I actually hadn't thought of that until it came out of my mouth. And so naturally, of course, you are already on top <laughs> of it and have that as a menu option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Create, create create options for your clients. You can always put a spin on it that you can utilize. I think not always, but there are options. There's ways for you to utilize, you know, help them in a professional way. However, Mm -hmm. that works for you. Get creative, you guys. I tell you what. Yes. Oh, so cool. I love that you do that. So the next one is pimple patches. Pimple patches. Um, so Pimple patches are huge. They came on the scene. They've probably been around longer, but I feel like they really came on the scene in 2023, maybe end of 2022, and now they're everywhere. And, um, you know, I would have to lean towards my opinion that pimple patches are okay to use, and I think they can be effective. And if your clients want to use them, go for it. Just educate them to put them on clean skin and to not pack makeup or concealer on top of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll be Change fine. them out. Yeah. yeah. Change them out. Change them out. Yes. But like 
I do feel that they are a great alternative to keep uh, our clients from picking at their skin if they have a patch on. And like Jesse and I talked, we don't really know how they work. I think they just are work as a spot treatment and maybe suffocate the blemish a little bit if I had to guess. But yeah, a really great alternative to, especially if you have a client that's a picker, pimple patch is a great option for them. Great spot treatment. Yeah. And you know, I am not a fan of people using acne ingredients on their face if they really don't suffer from acne. And so I think the beauty of pimple patches is that it allows you to spot treat in a really quick, effective way without bringing in acne ingredients into your skincare routine. If that isn't like, you know, a huge thing that you're suffering from, which I think is a big deal uh, to have that option. And so I think that it actually does save your skin in many different ways. Yeah. 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 We like pimple patches. Yeah. Pro pimple patches. Skin skin cycling. Skin cycling. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, Jess, because you have some good insight. Well, you know, I do like the concept of it. I think, you know, wherever this concept came from, is wise, like it's smart. And basically, I mean, if you don't know what skin cycling is, it's just a process of like, you know, on this day you exfoliate, on this day you use your vitamin C. I'm going to say this out of order. I realize that. So you exfoliate, you know, maybe you're using some acids. Next day we're doing vitamin C. Next day we're going to do something like super hydrating or, you know, and then some people will throw in some vitamin A, like their retinol in there for one day. And so it's a process of kind of like um, breaking down, building up or, you know, exfoliation and then like rebuilding which I'm a big fan of that. At the same time, I find it to be extremely unrealistic. I literally only know one person who has ever done it and really liked it, but it didn't end up being something that she could be consistent with in the long term because it's just, you know, we're already having a difficult enough time getting people to do a routine, you know? And so I think to say, on this day you do this, on this day you do this, on this day you do this. I I just feel like it's a little much. And so it's not that I don't agree with the concept of it. I feel like it's not super realistic for the majority of people to be out there like over promoting something like skin cycling. Like that's something that I'm not even sure I would skin cycle. I feel like that would even be a little bit much for me. I think you'd have to be a really special person that could really pay attention and track that to to be able to do that. So that's my thoughts on it. Great concept, not incredibly realistic. No, I mean, I even have a hard time keeping track of my exfoliation. Totally, yes. And so, yeah, not realistic. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Not really long-term attainable. You could probably do it for a week or two. And, um, but you know, the when you have a long day and when you get off on one day and then you, it would be so easy to just let it fizzle and then be confused and then say, screw it. I'm not going to do it at all. Absolutely. Much more effective to have a routine and consistency. And we know that. So educate your clients wisely about that routine is great. And, you know, um, the only thing that probably you want to cycle, like you said, is exfoliation and a good Mm -hmm. rule of thumb is every other day. Start there, yes. we'll reevaluate after a few weeks, see if it's yep. working or not, and then adjust accordingly. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Snail mucin. We're going to say that confidently. Yeah, mucin. <laughs> <laughs> like we mentioned earlier, same idea is probably beef tallow. It's really about 
the skin barrier and repairing that barrier and keeping it healthy. Now, would we do it? It's not for me. Not for me. Nope. I've I've seen the product and wanted to order it out of curiosity, but not even because I was like, I can't wait to slather my face in this. It was just a little bit more like, what? <laughs> yeah. I want to buy some. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. I just like, it's, I don't even think snails are fishy, like smelling, but it seems like it would be fishy smelling and icky. I just- yeah. Gooey, gross, like no, just the, the concept of it. Like I get it, but I, no, I, I don't think I could put it on my face. This is where what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, though, that comes in is that drama, clickbait yeah. effect. This is marketing, really. Where you, I'm sure a lot of us have seen the video of, you know, the lady with the snails actually crawling on her skin. And that was such a great marketing tactic for whoever put that out for snail mucin, the product. Because of course people saw that, shared it. I had so many of my clients send me the video. Really? Like, have you seen this? Oh my gosh. You know, it was just this like, wow, effect. And um, everybody was freaking out about it what great, what a great way to market your product. So so just a reminder, like people are good and it's really comes down to (laughs) you market it. They're good on what they do. And it really takes that, you know, that deep dive and that education on why they're marketing it, what, you know, what benefits it has and what you can offer as an alternative within your own skincare line that you carry. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, definitely. Yes. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. <laughs> um, cleansing your face in the morning or not? You got to wash your face in the morning, but it doesn't need to be anything crazy. No. Not at all. Not at all. And also, I tell a lot of my clients who don't feel like they need to wash their face in the morning, just rinse with water if they need to. And I give, the, you know, give them the okay with that and they're they're fine with that. I have a lot of, you know, Idaho is so dry. We have such a dry climate here, especially in the winter months. And the majority of our clientele have dry skin. And so, um, you know, they just, a lot of my clients don't feel like it helps for them to wash their face in the morning. And so I just tell them rinse with water or, you know, wipe your face down with a clean cloth or whatever that is, and then put your skincare on and go. And if that's working for you, great. I personally need to wash my face in the morning. I don't wash the sleep out of my eyes. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. And so when we sleep, the temperature of our skin rises. So your your overall body temp, it does lower just a tiny bit, but your skin actually gets warm. That's why you know companies have nighttime products is because there are certain like ingredients, especially like stem cells and stuff like that, that they absorb better into your skin at night. So they are more effective. That's also when we come, become a little bit more dehydrated. So I think the importance of washing your face uh, when we wake up in the morning is mostly because a lot of us sweat in our sleep and our pillowcases can get kind of yucky. And so it's just a good idea to do a quick rinse, quick cleanse. I don't do anything crazy in the morning either. Some people, I think you believe in exfoliating in the morning to kind of smooth out the skin. I believe in exfoliating at at night. So I think that there's a good, better, best scenario here as well, which is basically what you're saying. It's like, you know what, if if you don't want to wash, let's at least rinse, right? Or for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do anything crazy, but I definitely want something nice and gentle just to, you know, cleanse in the morning when I wake up. 
or there's some people who are going to do good with a nice gentle exfoliation in the morning. So it, it varies by skin type and it varies by the reality of the situation. Which is such a great point that we're going to stop on and talk about too is every single client is going to be different. Every single situation is going to be different. Their lifestyle is going to be different. Their skin type, of course, their concerns. There are so many variables into place. So when you put out a blanket statement for all of your clients and followers, it can get so confusing. I know it's hard to like reach every single person individually and then recommend accordingly. Uh, but just keep that in mind as you're on social media and as you're doing your recommendations and you're giving your advice that everybody has a unique skin type and situation and lifestyle and routine and all these things. And so try your best to, to recommend accordingly with that. Well, what, yeah, it reminds me of the conversation I had with Erin, which was a big reason, you know, for this episode in the first place. Um, our friend Erin, she's in Canada, and she was asking me about. She was like, "I really want to do a post on exfoliation, but I'm really confused about winter and summer exfoliation. Do you think that's a thing?" And I was like, "No, I don't, because that's too tricky of a situation. That's so like individual to." the skin type, the product, right? There's a million different types of exfoliation. And so it's just such a, and I'm like, why? Like, I don't know why that would make sense in the first place to say that it was different in the summer than it is in the winter because like, no, I do understand why they say that. Like, I do understand it, but I think that exfoliation is just too, there's too many variables at play to come out with as a blanketed statement, which I've been guilty of for sure. Like I've told people, well, you should market this in the winter and, and this is better in the summer and you can market it that way and whatever. And again, that's kind of marketing and just me helping spas to, you know, sell more product and it's, it's their bottom line and success. But when she asked me that is when I finally was like, do I actually believe that that is a good idea as a blanketed statement to put out there in the world of skincare education? No, I don't because there's too many variables. It's, exfoliation is already tricky. And so to then make it trickier, let's not. Let's not because it, you just don't know. Which I love. I love that you're like, we're aware of that and we're able to ask yourself that. And thank you like to Erin and everybody else who brings that kind of stuff yeah, up. Because sure. then it does help us think about it like actually no or or yes or whatever it may be. But yeah. So it's just awareness. I love that so much. Okay. Where are we at? Mm, K-Beauty. Well, let's go to K-Beauty if we can. Keep looking over at that one. K-Beauty, Korean skincare, Korean beauty products. Um, They're everywhere and they are honestly look so beautiful. I was like, have any K beauty products. If you want to be inspired to watch your face, to wash your face. So if you want to be inspired to have a skincare routine, if you need that inspiration in your life, just go to YouTube and start watching Korean beauty skincare routines. And you might just turn into a skincare junkie if you're not one already. Cause it is like a lot. It's a lot though. It's a lot. And that's and why it's like, on this list. Okay. Well, she can do 25 steps. I can do my six step skincare routine. Exactly. But also they make it look so beautiful and it's like mm. ASMR mixed with a beautiful aesthetic and then this gorgeous Korean complexion <laughs> and all of these yummy products. <laughs> and it's just, I just like, 
I could watch it for hours. I know. I know. But we've already said like this is just not reality. It is not realistic. Now, there are people that it is realistic for. I do have um, – Yesterday, I was working with my friend Holly, and she is kind of like this. Like, she, but for her, it's her um, self care, you know. So, she does like a bath and she mixes her masks and she, she does the whole thing. And this is like her pouring into herself, right? And so, I think uh, this is another thing where it comes down to just getting to know someone and, you know, kind of what their routines are, what is the reality of this. But for 95% of people, Korean skincare beauty routines are not realistic. So, there's nothing wrong with them at all. There's nothing wrong with a Korean skincare beauty routine. And you know, the concept of it is actually something that Eminence has started to emulate, which is everything that you use prepares your skin for the next product to be better. Like that's where the concept of even an essence comes from, right? And so there are concepts within the Korean beauty skincare routine that we in the US have actually um, picked up on or, you know, eminence in Europe picked up on that pretty quick and um, so there's there's some great things that we've gotten out of it. But again, it's just like that's wild. Wild. I mean, like, literally, that is like 20 step skincare. No freaking thank you. Like, absolutely no, not. It's not just nighttime. They do that in the morning, too. I know. That was way too much. That's overwhelming. That's either, I don't know. They're fun they to watch. Work long hours like the Americans do or something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that is their day job. I don't know. Yeah. yeah we can actually thank K Beauty for mm-hmm. a lot of things. Like, Essence um, is a big one. I would even feel safe to say Gua Sha is a big yeah. one. And so, yeah, we can thank KB. Inspiration. Seriously. Same with TikTok. I'm like, you're inspiring people to like have a skincare routine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Now I can just educate these people who are inspired. Twisted it. Twisted a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, No wrinkle straws. Have you seen these? Mm, I'm Googling now. No. What? Look it up real quick. Um, it's the, okay, it's what it is, is the concept when you drink out of a straw or suck on anything. And I would probably feel even safe to say when you suck on a vape or a cigarette, you do the soaking motion and it creates the repetitive motion can create upper lip wrinkles. And so you see, um, or I see. Wait, they're still puckering. Just not as much. Hold up. (laughs) super effective okay that's how do i feel about this oh wow jury's out yeah for me what the heck i just think you know is it realistic are you gonna pack your no wrinkle straw with you everywhere when you you know go through your soda shop tiff let's see that's a stanley they make them for stanley's what? I didn't know they made them for Stanley's. Okay. Jury's out for now. Um, I don't know how I feel about this because – and I'm going to – okay. <laughs> We're going to just sidetrack for a second. So big Stanley girl thanks to Tiffany, right? Because I was very anti-Stanley and then Tiffany bought me a Stanley and now I'm a big Stanley girl. I don't need 10. My mom and my sisters collect and I think that's insane. But so then I got one of the new Hydro Jugs. Because I'm traveling, like I'm always on the go, right? And so my friend Melissa gave me one for Christmas and it's amazing. You can just like toss it into your car. You don't have to worry about it. 
but yeah, it's a foldable straw, right? It does, but I can't get the same amount of liquid out of the straw when I'm drinking out of my hydro jug that I can get out of my Stanley, if that makes sense. And so as soon as I saw the no wrinkle straw, I was like, I feel like my liquid might be a little more difficult for me to get out. Like I need big drinks at a time. <laughs> so stupid, but um, I, I don't know. Jury's out. I think that that's a, a cool concept. Whoever finally created that, like that was really smart. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I guess I would have to try one to see what that would be like, but I do think it's smart. You know, repeated facial movements are valid, but at the same time, um, did you know that lip wrinkles are mostly genetic? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I'm not sure that even if with that straw, you can completely avoid that. They're very genetic in my family, very thin lips and, and deep wrinkles in the lips. And that's why I started getting a little bit of filler and just keeping my lips nice and plump to help with that. So I don't know. I don't know, Tev. I have no idea. I don't know. That's yeah. I don't either. And I've always been, I've always been paranoid of lip wrinkles. So I always drink just like you are right now. Oh my gosh. Look, I didn't even notice. Look. Yeah. Off to the side. I don't go like this. No. Who does that? Anyways. I think a lot of people. This is a bigger straw. Hold on. I got my Stanley. So it's a little bit harder to do. But it's out. See? You didn't even know you did it. I don't even pucker my lips when I drink out of a straw. Good. I don't need to try one of those weird looking straws. You're already being more proactive. That's so funny. That's not even conscious either. Maybe it. Yeah, that's subconscious. Mine started out consciously. It's habit now. But I started out, I mean, probably 20 years ago, drinking out to this side because I've always been paranoid about, you know, my upper lip wrinkles are creating them. So I'm like, I can do everything I can to avoid that. That's so funny. drink my drink off to the side out of a straw. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) That was a nice surprise. Um, Okay. Any food skincare hack? Nope. Nope. That's a no for us. That's a no. No delivery system. No, like, no. It's cute. (laughs) It's fun to think about, but no, there's no delivery system. There's no, yeah, no. Yeah. I think that pretty much covers it. So when your client comes to you and says, I made, this is what we thought a skincare movie was, but you know, I mixed up some avocado and added some lemon juice and I did my own do-it-yourself DIY at-home mask. And as a professional, you can say, cool, that's, you know, I bet that was so yummy. Totally. Um, educate them kindly on why um, why food, skincare, does not have a delivery system and why how your skincare products, how they deliver benefits, the nutrients and ingredients and vitamins and minerals and all the yummy actives in that skincare how it delivers that into your client's skin and why that's beneficial versus just mm. you know, putting some avocado on their skin yeah. and give them recommendation within your skincare line of this is really comparable, but it's also going to do X, Y, Z, which is what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty Absolutely. simple one. Mm-hmm. Um, the topic that sunscreen gives you acne Therefore, sunscreen, you shouldn't use it. sunscreen if you're acne prone or breakout prone or probably even oily. This, mm. you guys, comes down to ingredients and what type of sunscreen yep. for your client's skin. This is a pretty simple one. I feel like this is a blanket statement that is silly. 
because you're whoever's saying this is just saying, oh, all sunscreen gives you acne. Yeah. Don't use it. It's not effective. And it's also, we know as skincare professionals, the importance of sunscreen and the importance of educating our clients on sunscreen. It really comes down to what you're recommending for your client's skin, what they mm-hmm. need personally. Yeah. And hopefully the skincare line that you're working with has different options. You know, I, I think with Eminence right now, we've got like five different options for people to choose from. And most skincare lines that I've worked with in the past have multiples. And so as long as you're educated and are working with a company that has a few different options, then I, I think you're fine. I, I just don't think that that is a blanketed statement that you could make. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it probably has, there's probably some more education that needs to go along with this. If your client is getting, feels like their acne is um, attributed to their sunscreen, look at their ingredients, look at the type of sunscreen they're using, then do a little bit deeper dive. Are they washing their sunscreen off before they go to bed? Are they, um, you know, what are they doing else in their routine that could be contributing to it? Yeah. Like what makeup are you putting on top of it? Makeup causes more congestion, more breakouts than sunscreen ever will. Like, I'm sorry, but it is fact. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So yeah, do a deep dive. Yeah. That's what I feel like that's such a simple one. Yeah. Self-tanner for face contouring. Self-tanner for face contour. Do you use tanner for face contour? No, absolutely not. Um, I'm a little bit jury out on tanners for the face in general. I know you use them a little bit and I do play around with them. In fact, this morning I do, I did put a fresh uh, two hour tan on that I'm going to rinse off this afternoon. And I did put a layer on my face and let it sit for about 30 minutes. But, you know, uh, so this is skin type based because I get very clogged from self-tanner. Like even if you look closely at my shoulders the next day, I have a lot of clogged pores and a lot on my, like actually my decollete area, I get a lot of clogged pores. And so for me, putting it on my face is not a good idea. Like it's not, I, I, not the type of person that could put the drops into like a face moisturizer, but I know a lot of people who can. And so I think that people who are more prone to clogged pores should really not use any face tanner on their face. And so that I think is just skin type based personally, but what do you think? I wholeheartedly agree, and I'm the same. Um, I do use a little bit on my face, only actually within the last six months because my skin type or my skin in general has changed a little bit. I'm less acne prone than I used to be, so I can get away with it a little bit more. But same, when I do a full body tan, I will always get some breakouts on my shoulder, on my upper back, on my lower back, anywhere where I think I have just more active mm-hmm. um, oil and sweat glands. Yeah. Also, I don't, I have not found a self-tanner line. I just don't think in general self-tanner is acne safe. And I've yet to find one that is. And I think it really comes down to the self-tanning ingredients itself. And so that's a little bit controversial. I know I've had discussions with Erin about this because we both are partnered with the same sunless tanning line. And, you know, we've talked about it and I just, I wholeheartedly feel if you're super acne prone and breakout prone, it's probably not a great option for you to put any type of self-tanner on your skin. That's my personal professional opinion. You know, you can. For sure. If you want to go for it. I don't think it's something that you, if you want to do, you shouldn't do. 
obviously we all know if you use self-tan it's such an easy way to have like an instant glow up overnight i love self-tan i do too i'm a big self-tan girl yeah yeah and it's a beautiful alternative to you know baking in the sun and tanning mm-hmm. your skin so absolutely definitely skin type based mm-hmm. um go in with caution yep that's just what i would recommend yeah there's more but i mean Oh, what was I just going to say? There's there's some, like I've experimented with so many different brands and some of them clog me more than others, you know? And so I've just had to learn which ones work best for my skin. And I, my favorite one that I just keep coming back to is Loving Tan. I haven't tried that. Oh, I'm obsessed with it. I am obsessed with it. It doesn't clog me. It doesn't smell. It's so easy to apply. The color stays. Like it sticks to me really well. And I think that the ingredients are fairly good, or at least my skin has responded beautifully to it. It's worth the investment for me because it is a little bit more pricey. But I do think you kind of have to play around. If you are a self-tanner person, just play around with a few different brands and just keep trying until you find one that really works for you, but your face responds differently than the rest of your body, no matter what. Like I can do it on my body. I know which ones clog me more than others, but I just can't imagine putting it on my face and leaving it on my face. So what I've done, um, like I said, I'll put it on and I'll just let it sit for like maybe 20 to 30 minutes and then I just remove it. Do you wash it off with like a cleanser or you just like wipe it away? Um, what I did this morning is my little microfiber round and I just gently like removed, you know, that layer and, and that works for me really, really well. Yeah. And then I move forward with my other, you know, skincare routine or, you know, tinted moisturizers after that. Okay. I like that. What is it called? Loving tan? Yes. Shout out loving tan. Oh, it's so good. I'm the queen of self tan. You guys, I've really tried everything um, because I I will have skin cancer in, in my lifetime. I uh, suffer from a lot of pre-issues. I have a lot of scars all over my body from it. And so I jumped on that train a long time ago and I really play around with it, especially too, because I work out every day. And so I really need one that like sticks. It's not just like always wiping off or, you know, looking funky. And I cannot stand the smell of tan. And so this is the one I have landed on. I've been using it for years. I still will like try ordering other ones, especially if they're more cost effective, if they're cheaper. But no, I always go back to it. It's worth, worth the investment. So if you haven't tried it, uh, definitely try it. I always get the platinum dark because I can do a really light layer of that. Um, and then this one that you see right now, this is their two hour. Oh, it's rapid. Yeah. Like so it's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Level 10. Okay. All right. Face ice baths. This I'm- really just is like cold cold rolling in an extreme way. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think there's much to say about it. Like if you want to give your face an ice bath, go for it. I think it will probably really help to contour and depuff and it's going to do everything that you want it to do, but you could also just use a cold roller if you wanted to, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so either way. It might not need to be that extreme. Super but fancy. Yeah. yeah. Great yeah. benefits to ice bathing in general. Totally. Um, but yeah, cold rolling is great. Um, face milk baths. This is, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of this. I've seen some of it. You know, this is the concept of dipping your face into a bowl of milk. And then I think 
essentially leaving that milk on, maybe patting it dry and then doing the rest of your skincare routine. If I had to guess, it's really about the lactic acid within the milk and probably the cold of the milk to contour and depuff. And like you just said, kind of silly, seems really sticky. I don't like milk, so I don't want to put it on my face or smell it. Yeah. I just think there's so many more effective things that you could do with your time and your energy. I agree. And I'd have to look into it a little bit more, but I think that you're probably right on the money with what that one is all about. And I just don't even think I would ever even consider doing that or telling anybody else that they should consider it. <laughs> you're you're probably fine without milk baths on your face. <laughs> I kind of wonder if this is related to K-beauty though, now that I think about it. Yeah. Korean skincare hack. Yeah. Let's skip. I mean, let's, yeah. Just not recommend that. Let's yeah, not no. Off the table. Purging. Skin purging. I know you have a lot to say about that. I do. And I'll try to be quick because I know that we need to wrap this up. But I just do not um, believe that that's much of a thing. I, I really don't. I think that if you're using a skincare product that you that's like making you break out and causing inflammation – it is just, it's inflammation and it's usually an adjustment. It's usually just, you know what, you're starting to use some more active products, some more active ingredients and active products. And so your skin is having an adjustment period to that. And that is manifesting as some inflammation. Guess what? Breakouts are inflammation. So that could be just something that you're experiencing. Um, I think purging, it, it makes, so the way that people, the way that estheticians talk about purging, it's one of my, I don't want to call it a pet peeve. Like I love you guys, but what you're saying when you say that, is that if you were to look at a cross section of the skin, that you have acne waiting to come out that's like hanging out under the skin, and then you started using a particular product and it made it all come to the surface. Like that's literally how estheticians verbalize this to people. And I'm like, what? No, that's not a thing. You don't have acne hiding underneath of the skin just waiting to come out. No, this is an inflammatory response that can manifest as breakouts. And it happens all the time for different reasons. And it usually is somebody who is switching products or we switched to using a more active product and our skin is going to have an adjustment to that. Now, I usually tell people now, what I love about eminence especially is that we don't experience that as much as I have with other skincare lines in the past because your body works pretty well with our natural ingredients and formulations. But I, I'll say like maybe with deep, deep, deep chemical peels, you could see some interesting purging from that. And I know that m- most people go through a purging process when switching to a retinol, especially if it's not something that you've used before. But again, like that's more of an inflammatory reaction. And and I'll tell people what I was going to say is I, I usually tell people if they are experiencing that, I'm like, you know what, if you um if you want to stick with it, you know, and just give it a good like 10, 10 days, maybe, I don't know, that timing is variable, but I'm like, if you want to stick with it, you are welcome to do that. And if you don't, don't, I don't stick with it. As soon as I start to break out from something, I'm like, clearly my skin's not loving this and I don't think it's worth it to me to continue down this train when there's just other things that I could try. So I think it's in the way that we describe purging. Purging is literally saying that you have acne, like hiding underneath of your skin waiting to come out. And that's just not 
necessarily true. Maybe for some people and some skin types, but for most people, that is not the case. This is an adjustment period. This is inflammation. This is your skin adjusting to very active ingredients. And we can choose to stay on that train and move through that and hope that on the other side, it's going to get better. And it often does or not. Yeah. So it's more in the way that we're describing it to people because to say like your skin is always going to get worse before it gets better, that's not necessarily true. It just isn't. I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't – I think sometimes, sometimes that can be the case, but that is a blanketed statement that is just cannot possibly be true. Yeah, and I also feel that when we tell our clients that, we're setting them up to look for the worst. Oh, that's a great point. Such don't a plant seeds. Do not, because I have run into that before where I had a girl, um, and she was newer. She was just getting into the industry, and she was like, I always let my clients know that there's potential for this to happen. And I was like, no, don't do that because – like Tiffany said, you're then they're going to be like looking for it look or for thinking, it. or it's going to turn them off. Like if somebody told me that, I'd be like, and then I'm fine saving 60 bucks because I don't want that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's no, there's literally no reason to say something like that unless it's a retinol, then yes, you actually do need yeah. to say that. But if it isn't, then, then there's no reason because you don't know what's going to happen. You really don't know if it's going to happen or if it's not. So don't set them up for any expectations expectation like that. Yeah. Just keep it like an open door for them to come to you, exactly. check in with them, do a check-in. Yeah. You want that, that door to stay open, but not necessarily to plant those negative seeds because Absolutely. they will find them, yes. whether it's related to the product or not. Yeah. They're going to find them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So smart. Yeah. The last, okay. I'm just going to touch on collagen supplements for two seconds. Okay, I I just want everybody to know that with collagen supplements, your internal organs are going to take that collagen before your skin is going to. So it doesn't mean that there's not some benefit. And I will say liquid collagen is always going to be better, okay? And our skin is type 1 and type 3. So when your clients come to you and they say, I am taking a collagen supplement, amazing, go for it. Please keep like, please stay on that train because it's amazing for your gut health. It's amazing for your internal health. Like don't stop doing that. But uh, but be weary of the collagen supplements. I think there's amazing ones out there now. You and Krista at Elevate have given me that new one, you know, when I was in there in December. And that one is formulated, you know, specifically for that reason. I've even, I've gotten some other places that are more specifically formulated. They're very liquidy. They've got all the right types of collagen, but you know, it's, it's kind of a, a blanketed thing. Like you're not probably going to want to jump on Amazon or your clients and like order a collagen supplement, like powder or whatever, and think that all of a sudden your skin is going to be glowing and healthy and incredible because that's just not really internally how it works. So you have to just look at you know, the, the brand, how it's formulated, is this a powder? Is it a pill? Is it, and then kind of go from there. So just look into that a little bit more so that when your clients do come to you asking you those questions, you're going to actually have some answers for them, but, but encourage them to take 
collagen regardless. Like if they're doing it, don't be like, oh no, that's not going to help your skin. Just be like, yeah. And, you know, go home and look at it and see if it's type one and type three. And just so you know, liquids are going to be better, but don't stop taking the one you're taking now because it's super good internally. Yeah. And of course, when our internal health is at its best, it's going to reflect in our skin. Especially your gut. Yes. So we will love that. Um, such a good point though, is to just do your research on it. So when your clients come to you, cause if they haven't already, they will. Mm-hmm. Some will. Collagen is huge yeah. and so beneficial. So you know how to, um, how to steer that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Such a good yeah. conversation. Thank you for all of that. I love yeah. it. I have I have a greater understanding. (laughs) I feel the same. Yeah, I feel the same. So that was super fun. We are so glad that you guys joined us and we would love any feedback or anything about these that we like missed or if you're like, no, actually, you know, this is kind of what they're talking about or any, so any feedback whatsoever, we have an email address. It is beyond aestheticspodcast.com. Aesthetics is just with an E. So always send us some feedback or DM us. And really with any topics that you guys would like us to discuss and talk a little bit more about, we're very, very open to that. My Instagram handle is at the underscore SD underscore coach. SD is just with an E. And then Tiff, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Sweet Cheeks University or at Sweet Cheeks Waxing Skincare. Reach out to either one. I'm on both. And yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. Send us your topic ideas, um, what you'd like us to cover on this podcast. Any feedback would be so greatly appreciated. And we would love your review on this podcast as well, which you can leave that on your, however you're streaming this podcast. Now you can leave us a review. We'd be so forever grateful for that. So thank you guys for tuning in and yeah, we will see you next time. Yes. Thanks guys. Have pretty dreams and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.